Alrighty, it's Friday and here we are at the end of a week. Um, it's been a wonderful first week going through the Psalms. And today we're looking at Psalm chapter 5. And it's an interesting Psalm. In some ways it mirrors Psalm 4 a little bit. Uh, what I really like is this one. We said yesterday that the Psalm was to be played on stringed instruments. Today is to be played on pipes. So I don't know, maybe this is the flute. This is the one that's played like all jazzy on sax, you know, if you can hear that in your head. And David here is only talking to God, this whole psalm. And it's kind of split into five parts. David talks to God about himself. Then he talks about wicked people. Then he talks to God about himself. Then he talks to God about wicked people. Then he finishes off talking to God about the righteous. And um, so I'd like to, I'm going to leave out the parts where he talks about the wicked. Um, not because it, it's not relevant, but I just, I really like to kind of build a little bit of a case on how do, how do I talk to God about myself? How do I approach God? When it comes to prayer, because I think for some, sometimes when it comes to talking to God, what can and can't I say? What should and shouldn't I say? Sometimes we can really run out of words. And what is God expecting to hear from me? David was a man after God's own heart. So how did he pray? Because God was like, I dig that guy. And uh, when I pray, I want God to be able to go, I dig those prayers, right? I, I love this person. So well, obviously he loves all of us, but I love hearing from this person. I want to be a man after God's own heart. So here we go. Psalm 5. First part says, for the director of music, for pipes, a psalm of David. He starts off, he says, listen to my words, Lord, consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my God and my King. For to you I pray, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. And so David comes to God, and probably the first thing, it's exactly like we heard about yesterday morning. David wants God to hear him. And he expects a reply from God, right? He's not just content just to say words, do his morning prayers and move on. We said that yesterday, but that really is one of the most profound understandings of prayer that when I speak to God, I want to hear back from him. And so to create moments in our, in our quiet times with God, where we're able to speak to God and then just to listen. And that's why we spend time in his word, because sometimes God speaks to us through his word. I think that's a primary means by which God speaks to us. Um, sometimes it can just be through a prophetic thing that we're feeling in our hearts, the still small voice that we hear. It can be through someone during the course of the day. But if I've reached out with a request to God, that I expect to hear from God back. He speaks and he expectantly. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and then I wait expectantly. Then the second part, jump down to verse 7. David says, he's talking about the wicked and how God's going to sort them out. And then he says, but I, by your great love, can come into your house. In reverence, I bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And again, just like yesterday, David is reminding himself the reason, right, he can come. The reason he can come to God isn't because he's better than others. It isn't even because he's the king, right? Because he's the king of Israel. It's not because he's got more access, he's more powerful, he's more anything. He says, all these guys are wicked and evil, and that's what's kept them from God. And then he says, but I can come to you. And he doesn't say, well, they're wicked and evil, so they can't come to you, but I can come to you because I'm good. He said, no, no, no. He says, but I can come to you. I can come by your great love. And friends, I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's possible to be able to truly approach God unless we understand the fact that he loves us and he, and he has saved us. And that he, he, his thoughts about us are to gather us to himself. 
That was always the plan with salvation, to gather us to himself. And so I'm able to come because of his great love. And so if I had to ask you the question this morning, what disqualifies you from coming to God this morning? Right? It can't be anything you've done. Because if you've given your life to Jesus and you're walking with him, then his great love reaches out to you and his great love creates the bridge between um, you and him. And then he says this interesting thing at the end. He says, lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And while I was pondering this, I really got to thinking that um, David is saying, the reason I need you, Lord God, to lead me in your righteousness I need you to make your way straight is because I'm surrounded by enemies. And I think sometimes we are very, we have enemies that are overt and then enemies that are covert, like enemies that are obvious and not obvious enemies. Not all of our enemies come to us with, you know, guns and sticks and knives and, and threats and anger and, and those kind of things and, and suing us or whatever that, whatever you consider an enemy to look like. Sometimes enemies are way more surreptitious than that. They're things that come to try and steal our time. They're distractions that come. There's um, kind of uh, worldly appetites like, like lustful thoughts and greed and anger and jealousy. And these, the enemy comes with this stuff against our minds. And David's saying, I recognize that I'm in a war. I know that the enemies are to get me. And I know that there's all this stuff going on in my mind. And so, Lord, I need you. I need you to lead me in your righteousness and I need you to make your way straight before me. And so we go to God and we say, Lord, you show me what it looks like. You show me what righteousness looks like. And we've begun to look at that. And we'll see it more and more as we go through um, the series in Proverbs and in our preaching series, which starts starts on Sunday. What does righteousness actually look like? And as I begin to do that, all of a sudden now, I get to see the enemy schemes for what they are. They're trying to distract me and take me away from God so that I don't have that ability to go to God and say, Lord, by your great love, I can come into your house. As I begin to listen to the enemies, I begin to disqualify myself. And so I don't feel this freedom to come and access God. And so it's a great prayer to pray. If you're looking for some words, Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. And you can list your enemies to God. God, I, I'm weak in this area and I don't have this together and don't have that. But I can come to you because of your great love. Please make your way straight before me. Help me, Lord, show me. And then he finishes off with this. And I love this down to verse 11. But all, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You will surround them with your favor as with a shield. And we often read at the end of Ephesians about putting on the full armor of God. And that's so, so, so important. But what this scripture is reminding us, that we should put on the full armor of God and we should go for it. But even when we're weak and even when we don't have it to get all together, because we are righteous because of what Jesus has done, God himself becomes our great shield. There is an armor that is over our armor. It isn't all on us. There's this massive shield. This isn't a little, um, I, I was looking up shields to kind of understand this. A small shield, this little round one on your arm that you ping ping with a sword, that's called a buckler. It's a small little thing. The shield that it's talking about, just one of those giant Roman shields that protects your whole body. And God comes and, he, and, and before that, David says, spread your protection over them like wings, that God spreads his wings over us. And what's so beautiful is, what is those wings that he spreads of us? What is that shield that he puts in front of us? He says, it's his favor. That when God looks at you, he looks at you favorably. And he wants you to have favorable circumstances. He wants you to move through life. And that doesn't mean everything's always going to go our way. 
but God's favor is for us, that his voice is, is blowing wind in our sails, that his word is at our back as we live this righteous life, as we do our best, right, to put on the full armor of God and we make our mistakes and we, all that stuff. Even in our failings, there's still this massive shield, the favor of God that's in front of us. And the moment we try to earn God's favor, we step out from behind that shield. The moment we try and earn our salvation, we step out and we make ourselves vulnerable to the enemy's attack. And so can I say this today? Can you let God's favor just envelop you today? Can you let his shield be in front of you? Can you let those wings encircle you and keep you safe? And learn this truth bomb for today. Here's the big one for today. And I'm going to read it twice like I did yesterday as well. Psalm chapter 5 verse 12. Verse 12, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Psalm 512, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. So I hope that really blesses you today. So be surrounded by the favor of God as with a shield. Can't wait to see you guys on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. We're starting a new preaching series this Sunday and uh, really, really excited about that. And can't wait to carry on with the Psalms devotionals on Monday. We'll see you on Sunday.